Welcome back to the Sporting Max Podcast. This episode is brought to you by The Missing Link. The Missing Link will help you or your business connect with the biggest stars in the world through events and experiences. Find them at tmlthemissinglink.com.au. Here is your host, Max Becker. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sporting Max, where today we're joined by, by our multiple-team NRL great, uh, Brett Finch. Welcome to the podcast, Finchy. How are you going? Good, mate. How are you going? Thanks for the invite. And um, multiple team, yes, you're right. I don't know about NRL great. You've been pretty <laughs> kind to me there. So um, thanks for having me on. Now, to start off, um, can you sort of tell me a bit about your childhood and growing up and what that was like for you? Yeah, mate. Well, my dad used to play football. Um, my dad played for St. George back in the 70s. Um, we grew up in Newcastle. We were born in Maitland, which is in the Hunter Valley, just outside of Newcastle. But grew up in Newcastle. So, Dad, back then, if you made New South, uh, if you made the, the Sydney competition, those, the Knights weren't involved then. So, to go down to yeah. Sydney and be a part of a Sydney team and the Dragons had such great history. Um, so, he was a bit of a local legend, my old man. Or he, thought, <laughs> well, he thought he was. It runs in the family, I guess. We <laughs> yeah. think we are. But um, so I grew up around football. Dad was one of the lower grade coaches there at the Knights when they come in back in about 1988, long time before you, Maxie. <laughs> yeah. But um, I was about six or seven. So as far back as I can remember, I, I had a footy in my hands. Um, and and I, I always wanted to be a footy player. I can't remember ever wanting to do anything else. So um, I was really lucky that dad was a part of, um, dad played footy. And, you know, you'd want to do what your dad, dad, my older brother played footy, yeah. so you're always sort of chasing them or trying to prove yeah. that. <laughs> so I always wanted to play footy and um, I had a real um, appetite for it. You know, like I had a, mm-hmm. had a real love for it and passion for it, so I worked hard at it. And um, Because dad was involved in the lower grades at nights, I was also a ball boy with the Newcastle Knights yeah. back in the day <laughs> with John's boys and Chief Harrigan was there. So it was a pretty good childhood, mate. Um, I was a bit of a rascal. I didn't get up to anything really bad. <laughs> you know, not in trouble, but cheeky without being rude, I like to say, you know. But, yeah. but it certainly got up to plenty of fun as a kid. And a lot of it was sport, you know. It was as much sport as you could fit in whenever, you know, in summer you'd be playing cricket or it'd be mm-hmm. down the beach doing nippers or surfing. Yeah. And then in winter it was footy. So a bit like probably where, where you are, except the footy's AFL, not the yeah. NRL. But, yeah. <laughs> Going to be cricket and surfing in summer, so it was a great childhood, man. I really, really was blessed to have a good childhood. Can you tell me about your junior rugby and your experience there? Yeah, I was. Um, I, I think I started playing when I was four, so I played with my brothers under sevens team. So I played like three years of under sevens. Yeah, I um, really loved it. Um, I can remember probably I was always quite good at it. You know, one of the better players in the team. So I think because I. I don't know, obviously I had the genes, but dad, dad was a pretty good player. So I had the genes there and I loved the, I love playing. So I had a passion for it. You know, whenever I wasn't playing, I was or at training. I was always training on my own or playing on my own or trying to get, do some sort of extra sessions on my own to get better. Um, I remember about well, 14, 15, it was hard because a lot of kids were going through puberty or getting bigger mm-hmm. and I was a bit slower to grow. Um, I was still a bit, a bit smaller at that age. So, as you see, Maxie, I, I struggle to grow a beard now, and I'm nearly forty. So at, at fourteen, fifteen, you know, I, I sort of I was a, I was a late developer. So a lot of guys got grew quicker and, and went through puberty quicker. So I struggled there for a couple of years because I was so small. But I hung in there, and um, finally I, I grew a bit, and um, I was in the Newcastle Junior System. And then Dad got a job down at the Canberra Raiders, working down there, mm-hmm. and our family went down there, and I, I went through the. The Canberra Junior System. I played under seventeens and nineteens, and um, end up you know going through and playing first grade with the Raiders. So is that how sort of playing with the Raiders all came come about? Yeah, yeah. I did. I did. I didn't get picked for the Raiders. That that actually got a job down there with the Raiders. <laughs> so he's tugged on the old man's shirt and said, "Can I get a start in the under seventeens team?" So uh, in nineteen ninety eight, I played in the under seventeens team. Mm-hmm. By the end of that year, I was in the under-19s team. So I was still only 16, 17. Wow. Played under-19s for the rest of the year. Had a good year. Played Australian schoolboys. The next year, I started the year in, in reserve grade. So I sort of skipped under-19s. Mm-hmm. And I ended up playing first grade that year as a sort of 17-year-old. So um, the juniors went pretty quick. I didn't play much juniors from then on. I sort of started playing against men. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not against guys my own age, which is a bit hard, but certainly... Um, Sort of, you learn quicker when you when you get knocked around a bit by the by the big boys. So 
there were some tough days there, but I certainly appreciated, um, you know, that, that upbringing I had. In round 14, you debuted um, as a little 17-year-old kid against the Melbourne Storm. Yep. Can you tell me about the week in the lead-up to your debut and also yeah. what happened throughout the game? Yeah, well, um, Laurie Daly was during origin period. So mm. Laurie Daly was our captain. He was in origin. So I got put on the bench. Like you said, I was 17. Yeah. Um, I looked about eight years old, I tell you. I, I looked, I was really, <laughs> uh, I looked quite young. Um, and I actually, it was a Friday night game. We played the Melbourne Storm, um, who quite, I finished up playing for, but one of my many clubs I played yeah. for. Um, but, but we played the Melbourne Storm. They had a really good team. Glenn Lazarus, Brett Kamali, Scott Hill, a lot of players like Turi Nickow. Um, I was only 17. It was a Friday night game, so I had, I had to go to school. I went to school during the day. Wow. Um, and then <laughs> school finished. I, at lunchtime, I went home. So I, I knocked off school. I got the last couple of hours off school. left school about 1 o'clock. But I, I did school during the day. I was in year 12. Um, then, then we went – then I was out to Canberra Stadium, Friday night game. And um, I remember coming off the bench, but Brett Mullins hurt himself, I think. And um, – I come onto the field after about five minutes. So I think Mal was trying to use me, not not as you know, just give me a little bit of game time as yeah. a young kid. Um, Brett Mullins ended up getting injured, so I ended up playing a lot more. My first run, Glenn Lazarus smashed me. Um, <laughs> and if you can remember Glenn Lazarus, he was like massive, yeah. big Lazarus. Um, but it was a great start. We won the game. It was a Friday night game, and it was on telly back then, and um, really enjoyed it. Uh, now, you took out the Raiders Rookie of the Year award. What did that yep. mean to you um, at such a young age? Yeah, it, it, it was great. I guess it's a good recognition of, um, you know, doing what you did as a young fella, you know, like it's, yeah, you know, when I, I look back, you know, and you look at 17, that's real, it was really young, you know, I was still a boy, um, you know, and, and not only that, not only the way you're thinking, but your lifestyle you live, um, but in terms of your, your body, you know, like you when you, when I mean sort of a man, when you get older, you get stronger and you mature a lot yeah. more. Like I, I, I was still very small and, and, you know, I was quite fit, but I was quite fragile. You know, I wasn't, wasn't a big fella. So to compete with those guys at, at that age of 17, you look back now and, you, and I'm pretty proud of it. At the time you sort of just, you know, you sort of just take it with a grain of salt and move, you know, cause you want to win the comp, yeah. you know, you want to win premierships, not so much individual awards, but you're sort of looking back now. I was proud of, of what I did at such a young age because, I don't think there's many people who have debuted at 17. I think there's only about a dozen of us in the history of the game. So um, something I'm proud of, but, um, you know, at the time you just sort of think, oh, well, it's nice, you know, but you'd rather be winning competitions. Yeah. In 03, you joined the Roosters and then uh, travelled to England for the World Cup Challenge against St. Helens. What was that like to have the experience of going overseas to play yeah. the game you love? It, it was awesome, and especially... Um, Again, I'm only, I was only about 21 years of age. I went to the Roosters. They just won the comp the year before, so I got there. There's a lot of pressure on because they had won the comp. It was probably a bad time to go to a team after they just win the comp. Yeah. You'd rather go to them the year before <laughs> so you can win the comp. Um, but I got to play with Brad Fittler. Brad Fittler was my hero growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my coach was Ricky Stewart, who uh, he was a former Canberra halfback, um, former New South Wales halfback. So I, you know, to, to be coached by Ricky was amazing, but also to get the opportunity to play with um, play with Freddie was unbelievable because he was my hero. Um, so that was the first game I got to play with him. But you know, to go to England at twenty one, like that's pretty far away. You know, yeah. I mean, usually we're just doing bus trips to um, we're doing bus trips to Sydney, you know, or bus trips mm-hmm. to Canberra. Or yeah. bus, you know, the furthest I went was Townsville, maybe or New Zealand. So to go to the other side of the world was was huge. And we had a lot of fun. So you can imagine at 21 years old, we were over there for a couple of weeks. So we won the game. We had a great great win. I think we won about 38-0 or something like that. We, we had a great win, um, but we had plenty of fun too. So, um, you know, it was one of, one of the good trips I've been away on because it's at the start of the year and, you know, you play the game, but you also have, you know, enjoy the sights over there and, and we had some good fun. Tell me about the 2004 grand final against Canterbury Bankstown. Oh, you just brought it up, Max. I've just finally got over it. <laughs> you bring it up again. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really disappointing one, that one, for me. 2003, we made the grand final. We lost to Penrith. Um, I really think that year, 
on that game, it could have gone either way, but I thought Penrith were better than us and um, we didn't play well. And you, I saw it as my first grand final, so I was you're happy to be there, you know, where the next year I had a really good year individually and, and it was my second year at the Roosters and, I, and we were the minor premiers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and to play the way we did against Canterbury, and you know what, the Bulldogs, they were a bit of our rivals. They, they played pretty poor too. It was a, it wasn't a great game, you know. It was the, a scrappy game. It was, you know. It was built right up, you know. It was a big build-up, yeah. but um, it was a bit of a fizzer in the end, you know. And we <laughs> both we both really played poorly. And um, towards the end of my career, that sat in my stomach for a long time. That Now, I don't think if I didn't win in 09, I would have finished with a big hole, like, inside mm-hmm. me without winning one, you know, because I – it was a real missed opportunity in 2004. We, and it was Freddie's last game. Um, like I said, he was a hero of mine. So to send him out with a grand final was really important to me. And we didn't play well. It was a sh- really shitty game, scrappy game, like you said. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was something that stuck with me for a long time. And especially at the Roosters and being a halfback, I probably wore the responsibility yeah. for that. Um, and then after that, our, our Freddie retired and the team sort of went downhill a bit pretty quick. So... Um, yeah, that, that was a real disappointing night. Something that stuck with me till probably till I played for the Storm and we beat Parramatta in 09 where mm-hmm. um, I won one. So I had that feeling. But if I, if I don't think I ever won that one with the Storm, you know, I, I, that would have been something that I would have carried pretty much my whole life, I think. Now you were called into the New South Wales Blues squad on the eve of game one um, to play in the state of origin. What's that like to be called up to play and what thoughts were going through your head in those sort of moments? Well, now I'm glad you've asked that question because if you're going to ask the origin question, yeah. I thought, geez, you better ask this. Better ask the, <laughs> ask the question. I mean, that was amazing. I, what Ridsley wasn't in the team, which is a surprise. Yeah. Um, but there was a few injuries. Um, about eight blokes were injured. And, and anyway, so I'm the yeah. last bloke in. And I, uh, Craig Gale got injured the night before the game in the final training session. Oof. And back then I was... Because I wasn't playing, I was out having a few beers with my mates. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I got called in, so I was a little worse for wear. I, 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 was, I had a few beers and um, it, it was a real funny feeling because I, I knew a lot of the guys anyway. I virtually knew everyone because right, mm-hmm. I'd been playing for about eight years by that stage. So I knew a lot of the blokes. Um, and, and even though it's a bigger game and it's a bigger occasion, you're playing with the best players, so... Yeah, you sort of only have to worry about yourself, you know. At, at club footy, you sometimes might have to do the job for two or three players, or there's players that aren't of high of quality. So you're thinking, well, yeah. is he, he going to do his job properly? Is this bloke right? You know, you, you tend to be trying to do something for everyone. But um, at Origin, of course, you're playing with the best. You know, you know, it, it makes it a bit easier you in can a way. Rely way. on others. It is, you know, you, you know, they they're there to help you too. You know what I mean? So yeah. even though it's a harder game, it's, it's it's sort of easier in a way in terms of you just have to worry about doing your own job right. And the fact that it was in Sydney, you know, so we had eighty thousand, seventy five thousand New South Wales fans and five thousand Queensland fans. Yeah. So and, and in a weird way, I just knew I was going to play well because uh, I had nothing to lose. You know. Um, yep. And they're probably the situations I've always done well in, you know, like the, I was sort of one of those guys who'd done well, you know, if was a, see, most blokes might need the, the week preparation where I was a player with, if we need to play now, let's go play, you know, I was yep. ready to go. Um, and our forwards went, our forwards played really well, which made it a lot easier for me. Our team played really well. I scored the first try, um, set up a couple of other tries and then um, we're leading 16-0. But like bloody Queensland do all the time, they come right back. <laughs> Jonathan Thurston kicks a goal from the sideline with a minute to go to make it 16 all. And then um, I kick a field goal from about 80 metres out. And I was only take, take me through those moments of that field goal. Yeah. Mate, well, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, yeah. You know why? Because I, I never stopped talking about it. That's why I can <laughs> Anyone who listen, no one listens to me, but I never stopped talking about it. Yeah, I remember we. We kicked off to them because they scored. So mm-hmm. 16 all. I'll tell you something I haven't told too many people. So they scored. They score in the corner to make yep. it, I think, they make it 16 14. Right? Yeah. And, G, and JT, Jonathan Thurston's mm-hmm. lining up the kick from the sideline. So we're behind the try line. Yeah, yeah. JT's about to kick. So obviously I want him to miss it. Yeah. So we're still in front. But I'm thinking if he kicks this, because you know what JT's like, you just knew that. Yeah, you knew it's going to go in. 
he's going to kick it. He never misses, especially the high pressure ones. Yeah. So I'm thinking, if he kicks this, I thought I'm going to kick the field goal for New South Wales. Yeah. Like, I, for some weird reason, I knew. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to win us the game. So in a part of me, as much as I didn't want him to kick it, I was ready to, to go. You know what I mean? Um. So we kick off to them. They bring the ball back, and then they kick it down. So there's about 50 seconds left. Oh, it could be a minute left or something. So originally when we get the ball, I just think, right, we're probably by the time we fit. So when our fullback, Brett Hodgson, picks it up, I sort of just think the rough, the rough estimate of how much you get per set of six, that we yeah. probably won't be in a good position to field goal. So if I can't be in a good position, I've got to just think of putting a kick down in their corner so they can't get a shot at it, you know? Anyway, we shift the ball and we make a bit of a break. And I get to dummy half and I hit Steve Simpson who <laughs> jammed another 15 metres into him. And it's like, <laughs> it's like shit, we're in position here. We can have a crack. Um, and Brayton Nasta, who's my Roosters teammate, he's probably a better kicker than me. But I, I had a sense of occasion that I go, if I kick this, I'm going to be a hero. So there's yeah. no way I'm letting Braith kick it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I just, like, and the commentary, I think Gus Gould says, Braith and Nasta's a long-range specialist. Yeah, well, Gus, you're right, but not today. Vinci's <laughs> <laughs> go. So Braith was still got position, but I said him a couple of, oh, mate, don't worry. And I, when, I hit, when I kicked it, you know, I've shanked plenty in my day, Max, but mm-hmm. do you know when you hear a six? Yeah. In cricket, it's like yeah, it's yeah. just that Straight you know it's gone. Yeah, that big, you know, that, that, that yeah. sound. It was like yeah. that off my boot. As soon as I kicked it, I sort of half went, oh, my God, this is a chance, yeah. you know, and I got <laughs> up. And it was going, it was still going up when it was going through the post, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm in Melbourne right now. I could have kicked it from here. That's how far I could have <laughs> I've never hit a kick sweeter. Uh, and, mate, to, to have... 80,000 people, you know, that 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 moment there, that, that roar of the crowd, you know, winning grand finals with your team and all that, but having that moment, like to have, because of something you did individually and have 80,000 people going mm-hmm. bananas, you know, something I'll never forget and, you know, something you never, I'm never going to get ever again in my life, you know, mm-hmm. um, unless you put 80,000 people in the MCG and I just stand <laughs> in the middle of the screen. But those are the things you miss, you know. You, you don't get that anywhere else in life. Sport offers that. So it was great. And, you know, things like game two, I was in for the whole two weeks. I had the worst game you've ever seen and I never got picked again for New South Wales. So um, <laughs> there you go, you know. It's funny how things work. When it was, when it looked like it was the worst preparation ever, I I found it the easiest. And when I had the best preparation ever, I played probably the worst game I ever. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it was a, certainly a special moment for and for me and my family to experience. Now the Roosters and yourself agreed to part ways uh, before the 2007 season, but then yep. Parramatta uh, snapped you up on a two-year deal, then extended that contract until 2011. What was that like from your perspective, sort of seeing that all unfold? Yeah, well, the 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 coach. I still had a year to go at the Roosters. The coach who took took over at, at Parramatta, Michael Hagan. He was one of the first captains at Newcastle uh, back in the day when I was ball boy. So our family was very close with Hagues. He, uh, I, I'd, I'd a lot to, he was my first reserve grade coach in Canberra. So I had a lot to do with Hagues growing up. So I thought, you know what? We'd had two two pretty bad years at the Roosters. And at the Roosters, it was, if, if you ain't winning, it's the halfback's fault. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I was the halfback. So I thought, you know what? I might as well get out now while another club likes me and the mm-hmm. Roosters were happy to let me go. If I stayed there for another year, we had another bad year, maybe these offers for me won't be there next year. So I went to Parramatta. That was great. Had two good years there. I enjoyed it. So I extended to 2011. And then after four games in 2009, I saw at the end of 2008, Hague, Michael Hagen left and Daniel Anderson come in, which Daniel Anderson was a terrific fella, but I was disappointed because I was obviously so close to Hague's. And had a great relationship with Hagues. Um, and then over the next sort of three to four months, my footy didn't go really well. And um, I spoke to Daniel Anderson. And I just said, mate, you know what? I, I want to release. And I was only three games into that new three-year extension. Yeah. Um, so he released me. And I um, ended up getting a call from a bloke called Craig Bellamy, which I was pretty happy. And I come down to Melbourne. Now, six, just six days after... 
um, you re were released from Parramatta. You signed with the Storm and Craig. What was that um, coming in on a one-year deal like to join Craig and guys like Cam Smith, Cooper Cronk and Billy Slater? Well, uh, uh, for a few reasons, it was it was great. Um, I was out of Sydney. You know, I, I'd been in that. You know, I was thinking I was 27 at the time. So I'd been in the fishbowl for a long time. And also, I'd always been the big fish in the pond, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I'd come down to Melbourne with Smith and Slater and Cronk yeah. and Inglis and Bell. And <laughs> I had the big fish, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's like, we're happy to have you here. You can, you can join us. But if you don't come, we don't care. You know what I mean? Yeah. You now, our other teams, you know, you, a lot was centered around me. This time, I... I was playing 5-8, so I wasn't the main ball player, which I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, I was living out of Sydney, so obviously because AFL's massive in Melbourne, I, I, you didn't have that spotlight as much. And I was playing inside Greg Inglis. Now, me and Greg were on the left side of the field for the storm. I'd catch the ball, pass the ball to, to Greg. Yeah. Greg would palm off about eight players, and I'd get a try assist. And I thought, <laughs> you know, and I thought, how good am I, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Uh, it was really good. Um, and, and you know what? It, it, it really challenged me again. It was at the end of my career. I'd already played, I was 27. I'd already played 200 games. So to come down here and have to um, earn me stripes again in a way, you know what I mean? Because these, mm -hmm. these blokes are the best. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just something I needed at the right time in my career. And, um, you know, I, I found the passion and love for the game come back again and my work ethic come back because it, Probably 18 months before I come down to Melbourne, I, I got a bit lazy and started taking a few shortcuts with me, mm -hmm. um, with how hard I worked, um, with me footy, and it probably showed on the field. And um, to come back down here, it, it sort of kick-started it again. It was like a, it's like a second coming and um, really enjoyed my time in Melbourne. It was the highlight of my career. And I got so many friends out of it and still, still do every time I come down here and still catch up with the boys. What's that like to play under an amazing coach like Craig Bellamy? He's the best, mate. Yeah. He, he's um. I've had, I had a few issues post finishing finishing my career, just personal stuff. You know, and Craig would ring and say, "How are you going?" Now I'd retired seven years earlier. You know, yeah. it's just crazy. Um, and it's still now. I still like to say, "Yeah, I'm going good. I don't want to let him down." You know, so that's yeah. the impact it has on you. You know, it's like when you're playing, you don't want to let the guy down. Uh, even now, you, you'd like to say you're doing well. Or, you know, I've got an 18 month old now, so to show him how much I've come along because, you know, when I was playing with Craig, I don't think you could ever picture me having a kid, even though I was like 30, <laughs> still a little mature at 30. So now I'm a bit older, nearly 40. It's, you know, he sees that. And it's, it's, he has that impact. He makes you, he wants to make you a better person. Um, mm -hmm. And you know what, if you're a better person and you, and you do the right thing and you're kind and you work hard and you tend to, you know, if your life's good, your footy is good. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and Craig did that through setting a real good example. He worked super hard. Like, you could never beat him in the office. Like, you get in there at 5 o'clock, he's already in there, you know? Yeah. Um, his work, he works really hard and sets a great example for everyone. Um, he's real honest and real, real real kind. So if he does give you a kick in the bum, it's fair. He's sort of going, well, you know what, I probably deserve that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but if he needs to put an arm on his shoulder or you need help, he's the first one there too. So, um you know, and he's done it for 20 years. That's what's amazing. Yeah. He, you know, and he's achieved so much. He starts every year like he, it's like he's never won anything. Mm -hmm. It's like, mate, do you know you're the best? Yeah? Do you yeah. know you just won another competition, you know? Um, you know, his record, I think besides the 2010, the salary cap year, when we, we weren't, didn't play for any points, the worst he's finished is the first week of the finals. It's like seventh. You yeah. know, that's crazy. Um, and he's and he averages making a grand final every second year. Like that's just out of this world. So um, not only is he a great coach, he's a, he's a great mentor in life because he's a great person, you know. And, and he's mm -hmm. he invests in you as a player, but he invests in you as a, as a person as well. So I feel very lucky that I've got him in my life now, and, and very lucky to be coached by him. I think I saw him on the uh, that Mark Howard's Howard <laughs> Games uh, podcast, um, Craig, and he said, um, like you know, at the storm, like sort of. You got to work hard, you know. You've made your own bed. Um, when they have to release players, like you've made your own bed, you know, you can sleep in it. So, what's that yeah. like coming into the environment uh, at the storm where you sort of have to work hard um, to maintain your spot every day? Yeah, well, it's, it's sort of what they do, well, how they do it. And, and, and Craig, obviously, it's through years now with Craig 
having su- such good senior players like Cameron, obviously, mm-hmm. Billy, Cooper. Um, but then they, those were the guys when I was there, you know, Ryan Hoffman, Ryan Hinchcliffe, yeah. Brett White, um, Dallas Johnson. Then you go through blokes like Jesse Bromwich, Kenny Bromwich, Dale Finucane, you know, now you, you know, you have Will Chambers. Yeah. Um, now you've got blokes like Munster and that coming through. It's a production line where because the uh, Craig sets the tone on this is how we act and everyone else does the same. If you're a new bloke coming in or a young bloke coming in and you buck the trend or you're a bit of a dickhead, so to speak, yeah. you, stand, <laughs> you just don't last, you know? Yeah. Because it's so obvious because everyone's, you're like big soldier crabs. Everyone's going this way. If you're going that way and want to do your own thing, it's you, you just don't last, you know? So the, the team sort of governs itself because, you know, Craig set these um, standards in place where Cameron and, you know, like it's like a perfect example is after training, like even it would say just a year gone by, Cameron Smith will be the last on the field after training, practicing, you know, yeah. practicing his passing and goal kicking. He's played 800 games. Yeah, exactly. He's the best ever. <laughs> yeah. But, Mate, and he's nearly 100. Go put your grandpa slippers on. <laughs> but he's still practicing, you know. Yeah. He still wants to get better. So if you're 17, 18, yeah. and you see a bloke who's won five competitions and played and, he, and he's And he's like almost 40. Exactly. Well, yeah. I think he's more than 40, but anyway. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? And he's doing that. You know, if I'm 17, 18, and I think I'm the hero and I've done nothing, you know, like yeah. you're just going to... Like, it just won't wash, you know what I mean? So you sort of don't last long unless you, you have them same attitude, attributes. Exactly right, mate. So Because when the best players are doing it, like Craig and Cameron and Jesse Bromwich, these blokes who have been there forever, and these blokes who, if anyone had a reason not to work hard or cut some corners, it's these blokes because they've already achieved, but they refuse to, you know? Yeah. Um, it must be, you know, those extra sketch things with kids, you can draw on them and then you can swipe it off. Yeah, it, yeah. I think that's what their memory must be like because they're <laughs> so successful and at the end of the year they swipe across and it's like they've never won anything. They, they yeah. continue to work hard again next year. So um, they're the best. You, you and the Storm uh, won the 2009 grand final against your old side. Bit of revenge there yeah. against uh, Parramatta. How did that feel to win your first NRL grand final and then, unfortunately, have it taken away from you due to a couple of yeah. breaches? Um, yeah, just a few, not too many. Just yeah. a few million. <laughs> yeah, just, just a few. <laughs> well, um, just a couple. Uh, yeah, it was amazing to win it. And um, without going too deep into it, the salary cap sort of things, if anyone knows that, that there's a lot of salary cap issues in the game, it's me. I've played at a lot of clubs. So... Mm-hmm. I get, I get a bit cranky how they targeted the storm, but we did the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. So we've got to cop it. But like Ben Johnson, who won the gold medal in the 88 Olympics in Seoul, you mm-hmm. wouldn't have been alive then. 88 <laughs> Olympics. He got, he got caught in Seoul. But he said after it, I did the wrong thing, but I was running in a fair race. Um, that's what I say about the Melbourne Storm. We cheated, but we were competing in a fair competition because I know for a fact other teams were cheating as well, you know, because yeah. I played at other clubs. Yeah. Um, so just to go for this, you know, and things like years later, Panamata got caught, but of course the, the two years they were cheating the salary cap, they won two wooden spoons. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you don't, they didn't take the wooden spoons off them, you know. Um, yeah. but, but, but aside from that, we did the wrong thing. So um, we've got to cop the punishment. But it was it was a quite an amazing year. I play me up, uh, play me old team. I leave. I really believe um, that Parramatta wouldn't have made it if I'd stayed there, and and mm-hmm. Melbourne wouldn't have made it if I didn't go there. You know, um, it was the right thing for both clubs. Uh, if I stayed at Parramatta, there's no way they would have had the year they had. Um, mm-hmm. And if I went to Melbourne, I don't think you know I, I play an important role for them too to get them. So, well, it was crazy situation. I. It was more so, you know, like I felt for the boys you beat because they're your mates cause, and, and I'd lost previously, so I know yeah. how tough it is. But also for me, again, I was back to a bit where I was talking to you earlier about 2004 when we lost. It was, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was 29 that year and I knew there wasn't too many chances left for me to win one. Yeah. Um, And, and so to, to finally win one, you know, obviously we've had it taken away, but I'll always believe, you know, I did the hard work to, to win that competition. And you can't take away the memories. And I've still yeah. got the ring, so they can't take away the ring either. <laughs> um, 
But uh, yeah, it was, an, it was an amazing feeling just that that night and, and that week of celebrations was great. In 2010, you signed with the Super League champions, uh, the Wigan Warriors. Harold, yeah. I said that right. Wigan, Wigan Warriors, yeah, Wigan. Yeah, Wigan. How and when did this deal start to happen? Well, the salary cap happened, obviously, so Storm mm -hmm. had to get rid of some players. Um, and, and our assistant coach in Melbourne, Michael Maguire, at the end of 2009, he went over to Wigan to coach in the English Super League. So uh, it was a powerful club. It had great history over there in the English competition. Mm -hmm. Very cold, north of England. Wigan yeah. is up near Manchester. <laughs> but um, I had some people there I knew, some players there I knew from Australia. The coach, obviously, Michael Maguire, I had a real strong relationship with him for going back to Canberra days. So I knew him. I knew, I'd known Mike for 10 to 12 years. Uh, and I was 30 years of age. I was single. So I thought, you know, good chance to go over there, do a bit of traveling as well. Mm -hmm. The competition's not as harder. The, the sort of top team, half of the competition's NRL standard, the bottom half. It's probably not as hard. So yeah. for the back end of my career, just to slow down, slow down a bit and have a bit more fun. Yeah. And, um, it, it was really enjoyable. I loved it. It took a little bit of time to get used to because it was so cold. Um, yeah. I, certainly the first, um, for, I got over there at the end of 2010 and the, for the first two weeks, it, it was minus, like the temperature was minus yeah. degrees every two weeks. I remember it got to three degrees and I thought, oh, wow, what a beautiful day. You know, like, <laughs> it's not bad weather today. And I remember thinking, shit, I'm in some trouble if it's you're thinking three degrees is warm, you know. Yeah. But, but uh, it was it was a great time. I, I had a really good two years there. The Wigan people were sensational. The local people were great. The, the fans were as passionate as any club I've ever been at. They loved their rugby league. We had great crowds. Um, the funny thing was, when I first went over there, I had a neck operation, so I missed the first six weeks yep. of the 2011 season. Anyway, I started to play 2011. I wasn't so great early, but I found my feet and got better. And they sung a song for me once. It said, hey, Finchy, Finchy, you used to be shite, but now you're all right. Welcome <laughs> in the fish. So they were great. They were a lot of fun, and the people were great. And uh, it was two years I've got so many fond memories of. I loved it. And I wish I probably... I had an opportunity to come back to Melbourne to, to get into some uh, media stuff after that. But I, I look back now, I wish I'd stayed over there and played longer because I, I really enjoyed it. Now, you played in the 2011 <coughs> Challenge Cup final win, 28-18 to 18, over the Leeds Rhinos at Wembley yep. um, Stadium. Talk to me about this game. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a history. I'm a football buff. I'm a, hit, I'm a football nerd. Um, mm -hmm. And I got like a... I'm a weirdo in a lot of ways, Max, once you start talking to me. But I've got an unbelievable memory. I remember I remember um, pretty much everything that happened through my footy career in games and times and other people's games. So the Challenge Cup had, had great history in the game of rugby league, even though it was just, just a competition that was in the English competition. Um, but I knew the history of it because I was a history buff with rugby league. So to, And to play at Wembley Stadium, you know, like, only the big events are at Wembley, whether it's big concerts yeah. or, you know, the FA Cup in, in soccer or it's the English Lions in the Union or whether it's um, the English soccer team, you know, like over the years, those Beckhams and, you know, all those sort of players. Yeah. Um, so it's only the best events play at Wembley. So the opportunity to play at Wembley and you walk the steps when you we won and we received the trophy in the crowd, you know, that's something that's been – they've been doing there for hundreds of years, you know, so yeah. – uh, to be a part of that and, and win that, that was definitely the highlight of my time there. And um, it was down in London too. So we were down there for a week because, um, like I said, Wigan was north north, um, north um, of England. So to be down in London for a week was was great to be down there too and to, to win the game was just icing on the cake. Now you return back to Melbourne after the 2013 NRL season. How did you make that decision? I really wanted to... The salary cap finished, it left a, uh, not a sour taste, but I didn't get to go out on my own terms. Mm -hmm. um, I had the opportunity to come back and possibly do some coaching at the Storm or get into some media work. So I come back and play one more year. You know how people say you should retire a year early, not, not a yeah. year late? Well, yeah. I retired a year too late, but I'm really glad I did because I knew halfway through that year I'm done. You know, like, yeah. it was like, it was get me out of here, you know. Like, <laughs> I'm sick of getting hit. I'm sick of getting tackled. 
um, I'd had enough, you know. And I'm glad that because if I if I hadn't had that last year, I'd always had something in mind. Geez, I could have kept playing. I would have always thought I could have kept playing, and I retired too soon. But I'm I I'm glad I played that year because it was horrible. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to be there. It was hard. You know, the game had gone <laughs> past me. But I'm glad I had that because when I'd finished, I I was done. You know, you, you were done. Um, but I was so glad I got to come back and finish at Melbourne, a club I loved. Um, under Craig Bellman, another chance to play with those great players we spoke about earlier. Smith, yeah. Cronk, Slater, Chambers, um, all the players I'd loved. Um, Jesse Bromwich, some young kids come through. Kevy Proctor. So um, it was great. I'm really grateful to finish in Melbourne, even though it wasn't great spectacularly form-wise. Um, yeah. I'm glad I got that. And, um, you know, it's something I always thank Melbourne for. Let me have that final year. You retired from rugby at the end of 2013. Then from 2013 to 2016, you were actually a sideline commentator on Channel 9 and also made a few appearances on the NRL footy show. How did you find that transfer from the playing side of the sport to the media side of the sport? Well, it was great because now I'm an expert, Max, you know what I mean? And I'm yeah. everything I say <laughs> is right, you know what I mean? Um, no, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. I, I certainly didn't like when I was playing. I, I didn't like former players all of a sudden becoming experts, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I if I had to be critical, I thought I was quite constructive. You know, I, I tried to add a bit of banter, just being the sideline guy. It's not like you're up in the box, so yeah. you only have to do comments here and there. Um, and I knew a lot of the players still because I played. I retired the year before. I mm-hmm. retired that year, so I was still very fresh out of playing. So um, I enjoyed it. Did some work on the footy show with Fatty and the big man and Bo and Aaron, and, and that was a lot of fun too. So um, life was pretty good then because I was just working at Channel 9, so I was doing a couple of days a week, uh, the commentary and the footy show, and um, life was pretty good. Uh, in 2017, you began working on Fox Sports. How did that all happen? Well, the, 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 the head of sport at Channel 9, when I went there, his name was Steve Crawley. Um, he, he got me across. He, he then went across to Fox Sports mm-hmm. um, to run the NRL at Fox Sports because during that time, I think in 16 or 17, Fox, just like it's got the full-time AFL channel, it, it, had, it had Fox footy and it had also got NRL on Fox. So he went over there to run those two and he, he brought me across and he stuck by me out a few issues there and, he, and I, I was asked if he stood down from nine and, and Steve gave me another chance. Mm-hmm. Um I gave me a chance at Fox to kickstart and start fresh there and um, had three years there at Fox and that was a bit different. That had Maddie John's show and all those type of shows on there with yeah. Fletch and Hindy. I don't know if you've seen much of them, but they're lunatics. Yeah. They're great yeah. bikes. <laughs> but, um, but I was sort of caught in the middle because I would do the commentary and the series stuff, but then I'd get roped into some of Fletch and Hindy's stuff and Maddie's stuff as well. So you're all over the shop. You didn't know where you were. Am I with Fletch and Hindy? Because um, mm-hmm. they were just having, you know, they were just having lots of fun, you know what I mean? And they, they were a bit crazy. And then then sometimes I was doing um, the commentary on games. So uh, I enjoyed my time there because I got to do a bit of everything. What's it like to know Matty Johns <coughs> and then um, see son Cooper Johns come and yeah. play for the Storm? Uh, it goes back a long way with our family because um, my dad coached Matthew. My dad gave Matthew his first start of the Knights. Yeah. So when Matthew was 18, 19, dad gave dad brought him into the reserve grade team at the Knights to, to give him a, a trial game, which kickstarted his career. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Matty always felt uh, when there was times to help me or get me involved with his show, he did because you know he's my dad helped him and he's helped me. Um, so yeah, so now um, like I remember going over to Matty's house having a drink once. And, Cooper was eight years old, you know, yeah. back in 2008 when I'm playing. Now Cooper's uh, making his own way in life and making his own path in the NRL. So it's great to see Cooper, um, you know, doing really well. I, I did a podcast with Cameron Munster the other day. I think they're pretty good yeah, mates. I saw that. Um, and it's really funny the way they talk about Cooper because I remember him and I, I remember a young kid, you know what I mean, and now he's yeah. a grown man. And I think that was the same with Maddie. Maddie always seen the young kid in me because he knew me from the age of five, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's great to see him doing well. But also, at the same time, just reminds me how old I've got um, <laughs> and, and how quick life goes. You know, I, you know, I remember being your age. Just it's like a blink of the eye. You know, mm-hmm. and next minute you're, you're nearly forty. So yeah, it's great to see Coops doing well. It's crazy 
how that's worked. My dad coached Maddie. Maddie looked after me at uh, Fox Sports, and now, now Cooper's. Now he's coming through Maddie's son. So it's you know one generation after the other. It's uh, it's been great to be involved with, with their family. In 2018, you married uh, your partner Ali. Then in 2019, uh, welcome your daughter. Uh, welcome your uh, kid into the world. Yep. What were these uh, years like for you? Yeah, it was. Um, so obviously, I got married later. I settled down, everything a bit later. Um, my whole family, they got, I was a bit of a black sheep, Maxie, to tell you. My, <laughs> my older brother got married at 21. My younger brother got married at, uh, younger, sorry, sister got married at 21. Mm -hmm. My mum and dad were married early, you know, and, and I was single till I was 32. Um, <laughs> so I did things back to the front. Um, and I had a few tough years post-retirement. I missed some footy and I, Went through a bit of depression there, you know, just a bit mm -hmm. missing the footy and that those sort of highs you get out of footy and being around the boys. So, um, but I got uh, Ellie stuck by me through all that, um, which she's very brave to do, I tell you. Um, <laughs> so I didn't make it easy. And then I had my little girl Mackenzie, um, who's just amazing. She 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 looks like a mother, thank God. So she's a beautiful little thing. <laughs> um, but when, without getting too deep, when I first finished footy, all I ever wanted to do. Long before I was your age, like four, three years old, all I ever wanted to do was play footy. Mm -hmm. And then when you finish footy, it's like, what, what I am I going to do? This is all, that's all I ever wanted. This is all <laughs> I wanted to do in my life. And now it's done. So mm -hmm. what, where, where to next? You, like, so there's a big hole in my life, you know. Like most jobs, you start at the bottom and you can work your way up to your 55. You mm -hmm. know, league, it was done and dusted in, I'm done by 32, you know, and, and I never wanted to do anything else. So I was a bit lost there for a while. And then um, getting married and then having Mackenzie, that just proved this is what I'm here for. You know, I'm here to be a great dad. And it gave me a new purpose, a new direction in life. Um, where I thought the only reason I was supposed to be on this planet was to be a footy player. You know, now there's someone else who's more important than me. You know what I mean? Because for yeah. so long, all I ever did was think of myself um, and worry about yourself, you know, as a footy player now. I got a little rug rat to chase around, and she's just the best. So, um, yeah, it, it was great. It was um, it turns your life upside down, as any parent will tell you. Sometimes I think, what the hell am I doing? Or would you please go to sleep? Um, <laughs> but I'm sure my parents said that about me too. But uh, she's great, my little girl, and it's, um, little Mackenzie. She's uh, she's a ripper and uh, always keeps us on our toes. But we feel very grateful that that we have her. On September 30th, 2019, you launched your own podcast uh, named Brett Finch Uns uh, Uncensored. Yeah. Tell me about where the inspiration for this came from. Well, I, I, I got that go from Channel 9. Uh, sorry, Foxtel. They did, with the COVID stuff, they let me go. They didn't resign me. Now, I'm one of, that, I'm one of those guys I need to stay busy, you know. When, when I'm mm -hmm. by myself, I'm in bad company. I, you, know, I, you know, I start climbing the walls or I need people. <laughs> um, so I need to stay busy. I thought, you know what? It wasn't so much about doing a good podcast. It was keeping me busy. And I thought, I, then I can speak. I had all these great mates. Like Freddie Fitt was my hero growing up. Yeah. You know, I've done Minnie and Rico. Some of these blokes I've done, they're mates of mine. But we never had the opportunity. And I wanted to talk more serious on a deeper level. But we never had that opportunity because we're all, when you always catch up as mates, it's always yeah. like joking. You know? mm -hmm. So at, when you're sort of structured in the podcast setup, it, it opens up that opportunity to ask some more serious questions with Freddie was about leadership and um, his change in his life and things like that. So, um, and it, it, these were, these were the, the guests I got on were people I wanted to talk to, you know, and if anyone watched them, if any, if there was one download, well, that's a bonus, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause it was something that was going to keep me busy cause I needed to uh, keep myself busy there. Um, lucky for me, it's gone okay where a few people are watching it. Um, and, and, <laughs> And it's, it's getting a bit of legs, you know, you know. Uh, I've got, I did Acker, Jason Acker Menace. I did Dermy the other day. Yeah. Um, when, I, when I get back to Sydney, I'm going to, I think I've got Michael Clark, um, oh. Josh Kennedy, the Swans captain. I think I hopefully can get him. So, you know, now to branch across into other fields is great because, you know, I've always thought, you know, the, the things to success, is always, the mentality to success is all the same. It just may be in a different sport or business or whatever. So, um, the opportunity to talk to these successful people and hear their story. And um, I think I've always had a good relationship with people. 
bit like you, Max, you get people open up, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I can create a comfortable setting where, you know, if they wanted to get something off the chest, they could. So, mm -hmm. um, But originally started just me trying to keep busy, mate, and I think it was just for me misses to get me out of the house, so I'd stop <laughs> But it's, a, it's um, something I really enjoy and um, I'm lucky I've had the, the people jump on board, which has been great. Now, you mentioned a few guests there and sort of Jason Ackermanis. I've seen yeah. you've had some great guests, including Brad Fittler, who you've mentioned yeah. um, throughout this episode. And I saw you rec uh, recorded with Craig Bellamy and yeah. also Brandon Smith, a.k.a. Champ Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd love the cheese. Everyone loves the yeah, cheese. Yeah, everyone loves the cheese. Hey, he's got more nicknames than P. Diddy. What, what's his yeah. Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, Sean Diddy, Cones. I was like, it's Champ Cheese, it's Double Cheese, it's Hectic Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> What's that like for you to sit down with these guys and um, get them to open up to you for them to talk yeah. about their lives and careers? Yeah, it's 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 amazing. You know, you, for someone like, you know, I champ with the, the Brandon Smith cheese. Yeah. You know, and Cameron Munster. You see a little bit of yourself at that age, mm -hmm. you know, or, or what they're going through. So what, yep. while you're, you're in a totally different stage of your life, you, you know what they're going through because you went through it or you sort of can relate. Mm -hmm. um, so like a bit of an unwritten rule too in footy uh, we played at the same club so they've heard stories about me you know I, you know, it's sort of like that. Storm's really good about honouring their past players you know so yeah, um, you sort of have a connection without really doing anything to have a connection you know it's just the yeah. fact we've both been at the same club so for them to talk about stuff it's sort of it's it, it, makes you relate or brings back memories of yeah. something similar for you. So that's been great. Um, Craig was just, it was just great to talk to him about, about life and about his work ethic, about what makes him still succeed. And, um, you know, you sit there and listen to him all day. So I felt really good to really lucky to sit down to Craig. I pestered him for a while. <laughs> And he was like, "Well, I'm just gonna if I, if I don't if I don't say yes, you're just gonna keep annoying me." Answer feature. I said, "Yep, that's right, exactly right." So he said, <laughs> "Okay, let's do it." So I've been lucky there, and um, you know, as you sort of know, the more people you know, I remember when you rung me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you yeah. you know, you mentioned how many people you had had on. You know, so you know, I thought beautiful. Let's go on. So yep. sort of like the domino effect now too. You know, the because you get a couple of people on. You know, someone might hear who's on, or you know. Or you tell people who's been on your show, even if they haven't seen it. Yeah. You know, they say, "Well, go. Well, those guys have been on it. Um, I'll go on. I'll jump on too." So, yeah. Um, you know, I'm grateful those guys went on. You know, people different stages of their career. Obviously, belly aches. You know, in his fifties and he's coaching, mm -hmm. and then you got, you know, Brandon Smith starting out, or uh, Cameron Munster in the middle of his career winning competition. You know, so to be able to talk to different ages and. You know, different stages of people's lives is great. You know, you can you talk to hectic cheese, and he's talking about celebrating and Mad Mondays and yeah. drinking benders. You know, <laughs> Craig's talking about being on, his Gold, on the Gold Coast, close to his family and his grandkids. And you know, mm -hmm. um, so it's all it's great to talk to people at all different stages of their life. And um, yeah, like like similar to you, it's it's it's, um, it's just something interesting where um, you get to. You know, have people open up about about their story about their life. Mm -hmm. Now I want to see what your opinion is on the uh, the Brad Fittler and Hectic Cheese interview um, on Grand Final Day night. Oh mate, it's classic cheese, that? isn't yeah. it? You know, it's, yeah. Um, <laughs> but Freddie's one of those guys. You look back in time. A lot of people who have swore or said like or said crazy stuff. They usually either got interviewed by Matty Johns or Freddie. Yeah. Two, they're two lunatics <laughs> themselves, you know. Um, they certainly make him feel comfortable, but that's him, you know. That that is Brandon. That's cheese, yeah. you know? and it's so <laughs> it's so refreshing to see because it's you want to see people be themselves. And I understand why players can get sheltered and be protected because some, you know, certain parts of the media, if you're yourself, they want to shoot you down. Um, but I don't think Brandon gives a rat's ass if whatever people yeah. think. Uh, <laughs> it's been great to see that side of him, and I thought it was great. I'm sure fans out there. I uh, love that interaction. I had that opportunity to see that they sort of stuff. But um, I think that interview will be one of those interviews that, you know, you could play in 10, 20, 20 30, 50 years' time and yeah. it'll, still, uh, it'll still be a beauty. 
What would be your best advice to anyone trying to make their way into being a pro rugby player and have a successful career like yourself? Yeah, I think with anything, it's just work hard. You know, I think if mm-hmm. all you can do is work hard and do your best, you know, it's, it's as simple as that. At the Melbourne Storm, any goals we had, if we had a defence goal or attack goal, it was always based around effort. So whether you were the best player or the worst player, there's no excuse why you didn't achieve the goal. The only reason you wouldn't have achieved the goal is because you hadn't applied enough effort. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what, you know, one thing I took from Melbourne, or just to work hard. If you work hard and give it your best shot, you can walk away knowing, you know what, there's no more I could, could have done. Yeah. Um, but whether, you know, I'll talk, say, rugby league, because that's what I knew. If I didn't give eight, you know, if I didn't give 100% and fell short, you know, that – then I've got to live with that for the rest of my life. And I think that's that's like your own personal prison, you know. You'll, yeah. To know you didn't give your best or, you know, because you never get the chance to do it again. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you're still young, you're, you're coming into those years ahead, but I can never be 18 to 21 again, you know. Mm-hmm. I can never get the chance to so say you only get one shot at it. And um, I had a real appetite to work hard, so I'm really grateful. that. But there were certain stages, like I said, where my attitude was poor and I didn't work hard, which I regret um, throughout my career. But, you know, to, if you work hard and give it all you got, then no matter what the results, the result will take care of itself if you if you work hard and, and give yourself the best shot, you know, because then yep. you know you've done everything you could do, whether it's whether you make it or you don't make it, you can live with yourself, you know. But, um, yeah, work hard and give it your best shot. Thanks, Finchie, for coming on the podcast and setting aside some time to come on and have a chat. It's been an absolute honour to have you on. Well, mate, it's an honour to be on. And guess what? It's an hour or so I didn't have to talk to me, missus. So I'm yeah. glad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't have to change any dirty nappies. Yeah. So I'm glad. So any time you want me on, mate, I'm more than happy to come on and have a chat. But thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Thanks, uh, fin- I wish you all the best. Thanks, Finchie. Stay tuned, everyone, for some more Sporting Max. Thanks for listening to Sporting Max. If you liked this episode, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes and follow and subscribe to our channel on Instagram and YouTube. This episode was brought to you by The Missing Link.